Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. As you can see, the book of Hebrews is starting off with some deep stuff because the author's trying to encourage his audience to stay with Jesus. They've been persecuted for their faith. He says they've been beaten. They've been thrown in jail. He says they've lost their own possessions and they're tired, they're weary, and their faith is beginning to, to fade away and their, their tight grip is beginning to loosen and and. So he is trying to encourage them to look to Jesus and to stay <clears throat> stay with Jesus. And he he pens this 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 letter, this book of Hebrews, to encourage them by telling them he starts off in chapter one by, by telling them that Jesus is better than the angels. And then he goes to Moses and how Jesus is better than Moses. And and, and he's talking to Jewish Christians, people who are following Jesus. And, and and because they follow Jesus, because of persecution, th- their faith is wavering. And he's trying to just say, hey, just hang on. Endure to the end. I know it's hard, but look at Jesus and look what Jesus has gone through. And that's what he's going to be emphasizing here in chapter 5. But he, he, he tells them that Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. People that, that they would have a lot of respect for. And he tells them that Jesus is our great high priest who was tempted in every way that we are, yet he never sinned, which allowed him to be our once and for all sacrifice and to pay the price of our sins so that we can be uh, saved, so that we can have access to the throne of God through Jesus. And he tells them, he says, if you walk away from Jesus and you give up before you cross the finish line, then you're going to miss the place of rest, just like the, the Hebrew people did, the children of Israel in the Old Testament under Moses' leadership. They, had, they, they rejected God. Uh, they, they did not trust God. They lost confidence in God over and over again. And therefore, because of their disobedience, they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until all those people died off and their children came up. And under Joshua's leadership, they got to go into God's rest, into the promised land. And he says, if, if we give up on Jesus before we cross that finish line, then we're going to be just like those people in the Old Testament, the Jews of the Old Testament who died there in the wilderness. They they missed the place of rest. They did not get to go into the promised land. And and the warning is is very clear to his audience, his Jewish audience back then, and it's very clear to us. Uh, and and the and that warning is, come what may, stay with Jesus. Do not lose confidence in Jesus. So in chapters four and five, and, and, whoever did the chapter breaks and put the verses in, thank you for doing that for us. It, it is convenient, but. There's just some bad chapter breaks that were that that were given to us, and this is another example of those bad chapter breaks because chapter five is going to continue with this theme of Jesus being our high priest, 
And this is how he starts out chapter 5. He says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. And he's able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as others. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants much or such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. And that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, Jesus was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. So the author gives them, his, his readers, his audience back then, an overview of what the high priest does. That he is chosen by God to represent other people in their dealings with God. Because the, the high priest would go on behalf of the people that he, that he was over. And, and make he would offer sacrifices for himself and for the sins of the people. In the Old Testament, those sins were never washed away, but they were covered by the blood of the animals that were sacrificed. Remember, they would put the, their hands on the scapegoat and send the scapegoat out into the wilderness, signifying that those sins had been removed from Israel. But the, the Old Testament priests always had to make sacrifices for themselves because they too were just like you and me. They, they were people. They were men who sinned. And, and the author is going to point out that because the priest knew that they were sinners too, they were able to deal gently uh, with ignorant and wayward people. Now, could you imagine going before the high priest as, as a, a person, just as a, a citizen, and going before the high priest and they're like, oh, come on, man. How many times are you going to have to commit this sin, bro? I mean, how many times do I have to continue to make sacrifices because of this same sin that you continue doing? Get with the program. Get with God. Get your life together. That, that would be shameful, wouldn't it? And it reminds me, and, and that's not what the high priest did, because they knew that they were sinners too. And, and, and so they, they understood the struggles of the people that they were making sacrifices for. And it reminds me of Jesus, who is our high priest, and that's what he's trying to emphasize here, that Jesus is our high priest, and how Jesus dealt with sinners, with sinful people. He never condemned the person. He condemned their sin, but he never condemned the person, and he always treated them with grace, with mercy, and he was always compassionate toward them. For example, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. First of all, Jews didn't walk on Samaritan soil because they considered themselves unclean. But the King James Version of John 4, 4, one of my favorite passages says, I must needs go through Samaria, Jesus said. He had to go through Samaria because he knew that that woman was going to be at the well at that time. And he's going to have a conversation with her. And, and, and not only is she a woman who is an outcast of her society because she is going to the well out in the heat of the day when all the other women of the community go out in the cool of the morning. But she's a, a reject of her society because she has been married five times and, and, and she is living with a man now who, who is not her husband. And Jesus is going to call her out on this. And, and she says, oh, I perceive that you're a prophet. And, and, and so that starts a conversation then 
that he is the Messiah. And she's going to run and tell people that the Messiah is here because he had told her everything that she had ever done. But Jesus showed mercy and grace and compassion to that Samaritan woman instead of condemning her. And the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7, who was a Gentile, and yet Jesus showed compassion to her and healed her daughter. Uh, I believe that she had a, uh, had a demon, was possessed by a demon, and Jesus cast that demon out of her daughter. Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, he was a tax collector. He had robbed and stolen from many people. He was rich. And, and yet Jesus was walking down the road and he stops at the tree and has a conversation with Zacchaeus. He never condemns him. In fact, he goes and he eats a meal in Zacchaeus's house and, and salvation comes to Zacchaeus's house and Zacchaeus repents and he says, I'm going to restore all that I have stolen from people and give them uh, back double portions of, uh, of more than what I have taken from them. And it's the same way Jesus deals with you and me. He is compassionate. He, he, he treats us with grace and mercy. He, he does not condemn us. In a matter of fact, Paul says that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. doesn't mean that we're saved, but it does mean that we are loved by God regardless of our decisions and how we choose to live. God still loves us. And yes, he has provided a way of salvation through Jesus, but we have to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we have to live for him the best we can on a daily basis. But Jesus, our high priest, he treats us with grace and mercy and compassion, just like he did these people and, and others as well when he was walking around on this earth. And we can read about those in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so the author points out to his audience that you just don't decide to be a high priest one day and say, hey, I'm going to become a high priest. He says you have to be called by God like Aaron, who was Moses' brother. And he, he points out that Jesus was called by God to, a high, to be a high priest, and he quotes Psalm 2, verse 7. And another Old Testament passage to back up what he's saying, he quotes Psalm 110, verse 4, to show them that Jesus was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek's an interesting character. And, and I'm going to share with you what we know about Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, there's a lot of wars going on. His armies are trying to conquer each other's land. They're trying to conquer more territory and grow uh, their kingdom. In Sodom and Gomorrah, something that uh, a story you're probably familiar with from the Old Testament, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah are overtaken. And who lives in Sodom and Gomorrah? Lot, Abraham's nephew. And so Lot is kidnapped during one of these conquerings, and he is taken to the enemy's territory. And somebody was able to escape and go, they go and they find Abraham and they explain to Abraham that Lot's been kidnapped. And so uh, basically Abraham gathers some men who are trained to fight and he goes and he finds Lot and he rescues a lot and he rescues everything that was stolen from Sodom and Gomorrah and he defeats that army and he comes back home. And in Genesis 14 verses 17 through 20, it says, After Abram returned, that's Abraham, after Abram returned from his victory over Kedor Laamor, however you say that, 
And all his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, there he is, the, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram, Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and God, uh, and blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram, or Abraham, gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. That's it. That's all we know about Melchizedek. He's also mentioned in Psalm 110, which was a Psalm of David, and it's full of prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus. And in verses 1 through 4, David says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And that's what Peter used in Acts chapter 2 as he preached that first sermon there on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit fell. Verse 2, The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. When you go to war, your people will serve you willingly. You are arrayed in holy garments, and your strength will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. And here it is. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now, as far as I know, these are the only two places that Melchizedek is mentioned in the Old Testament. And we know very little, almost nothing, about uh, uh, about Melchizedek besides what uh, these verses say. And here's basically what we know. His name means king of righteousness, and he rules over the city of Salem, which means, which is Shalom, which means peace. So he, his name is the king of righteousness, and he rules over the city of peace. He is called priest of the Most High God. And Jesus, the Messiah, God in the flesh, was chosen by God to be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's it. That's all we know about Melchizedek. The author now, he's going to reiterate these facts in more detail in verses 7 through 10 when he says this. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and became the source, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so what I believe the author is doing here is that he is or whoever whoever the author of Hebrews is, we don't we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. But I will more than likely reference him as a he just out of habit. But the author uses some key phrases in this passage to help explain to his audience that Jesus, our high priest, has been here and he's done that and he's got the t-shirt. And therefore, since he's been here and done that, he, he's walked on this earth in the flesh, and he's, he's been persecuted, he's been beaten, he's, he's been tortured. He can empathize with what they are dealing with. And, and when it comes to persecution, he, he knows all about it. Therefore, he, he understands and, and that he hears their cries and that he will give them help through what they're dealing with. But they have to turn to Jesus and stay faithful 
to Jesus. They have to endure to the end. That, 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 that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews. He's trying to encourage them to stay with Jesus. So let me break this passage down just a little bit with what he says to his audience. He says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Now, I'm sure with persecution, being jailed, being beaten, and losing their possessions, his audience who would be getting this letter, uh, the book of Hebrews, I'm sure that they have cried out to God many, many times. Just like Jesus, the author wants them to understand that Jesus not only hears their cries, but he cares for what they're going through and he will rescue them. At some point in time, the rescue is coming. It may be when they take their last breath and cross over into the eternal rest that he had just talked about in the last chapter. But if they will stay faithful to Jesus, he will come to their rescue. He and, and, and while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who would rescue him from death. And, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. It, 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 this is for us today as well. The same message. Because storms come. Valleys. We walk through valleys. You know, it would be great if life was always on the mountaintop. But no, there's valleys when it comes to mountains. And we walk through valleys. We go through storms. We go through trials and tribulations. And many people go through persecution because of their faith in Christ. But what a lot of people don't understand that we, we so often when those storms come, we feel as if God doesn't care. And we wonder why he is allowing us to suffer. Um, but in, in simplicity, in simple form, we have to understand that God, he didn't even spare his own son. And Jesus had to stay faithful to the end. He, he, and we'll talk about this more in just a few minutes, but he could have called angels to rescue him, but he didn't. He stayed faithful. He stayed the course. He, he endured the cross and despised its shame, as Hebrew, Hebrews 12 says. And, and, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But if God didn't spare Jesus, he's not going to spare us. Hard times are coming. Maybe you've already been through a hard time. Maybe you, you're in a storm right now and you're thinking, God just does not care. And I hear this all the time from people, but it's not that God doesn't care. It, it, it's, God does care and he is here to help in this time of need. And, 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 and there's reasons why we're going through storms and hardships in life. And we're going to see that here in just a second because the Hebrew author points that out. They're not fun. It, it sucks. It's hard. But just know that hard times are coming. You know, like Run DMC said, hard times are coming to your town. It, 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 it's just the way life goes. But know that God does care and he knows what you're going through. He's not surprised by anything that, that, that comes in our lives. He knew it was on its way. He knew that we're dealing with it and he knows when it is past. And hopefully there are some great lessons learned and we're still walking with him when the sun shines again and those storm clouds pass. But if we stay faithful to the end, and this is what the Hebrew author is telling his audience, if we stay faithful to the end, rest will 
come. And I don't know about you, but I, I could use rest. The second thing he says, he says, and God heard his prayers, talking about Jesus, God heard Jesus' prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Um, at one point, the audience of the book of Hebrews had a, a, a deep reverence for God, but because of the persecution and the things that they're facing, their, their deep reverence for God has now, it's fading and it's fading away fast. And so he gives them this example of Jesus who never wavered, not once. He never wavered, even though he suffered great persecution. He was even tortured and, and, and was put to death. And the Hebrew author is going to tell them later on, I believe it's in chapter 10 or maybe 12, that they, ha they have suffered persecution, but they haven't shed blood yet. And so he's saying, look to Jesus. He never wavered, even though he suffered great persecution. He suffered, he suffered great torture. He suffered death. And because his faith never wavered in, with God or in God, God heard his prayers. And so again, the author is pointing them to Jesus for the best example to find encouragement and strength to keep going. And he's wanting them to understand that if they would keep their if their confidence would not be shaken, if they would keep a deep reverence for God, God hears their pleas. God hears their prayers. So find encouragement in that to keep going. And, and, and it's the same thing for us today. When those storms come along in our lives and, and, and we have a tendency to draw back, to draw away from God, that's when we need to, to dig in uh, even deeper and, and, and run to God and, and, and say, God, I'm going through this situation. Will you please help because that's that's what the hebrew author had just told his audience in the in the last chapter that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need why because jesus knows what we're dealing with he's been here and done that and got the t-shirt and he will help so run to god and not from god he hears our prayers if we continue our deep reverence for him and not let our faith fade away. The third thing he says, he says, even though Jesus was God's son, and this is the hard part, even though Jesus was God's son, right, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And that, that, that this is hard because nobody wants to suffer. Nobody enjoys getting persecuted, getting beaten, getting put in jail uh, or losing their stuff because they follow Jesus. But in the suffering, when those storm clouds come, when we're walking through those valleys, we can learn a lot of lessons about life and about God. And one of those lessons that the author points out is obedience. Obedience. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he left the disciples to watch and pray? And, and he goes out a little further and he starts praying to the Father. What, what did Jesus pray to the Father then? He says, Father, and, it, and he did this three times. He prayed this prayer three times. Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. In other words, if there's any other way we can get this done, let's do that. And he was in such agony that Luke says his sweat became drops of blood. So this shows us that even though Jesus was God, he was 
human. He was 100% human. He had emotions. He had feelings. He, he bled. And he was in such agony over about the suffering that he's about to go through that his sweat, his capillaries in his forehead burst and his sweat became drops of blood. And if you ever watch wrestling, you, you see how when blood mix, mixes a sweat, it, it, it's a pretty grossly scene. So you can just imagine what Jesus looked, looked like because he was anxious and nervous and feeling all these emotions. And he's wanting this to pass from him. He doesn't want to have to face that torture that he's about to, 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 to face. And, and his capillaries burst and that blood mixes with sweat. He's soaking wet, I'm sure, from uh, all this agony that he is feeling, all these emotions. And he knows that he's about to be tortured, beaten beyond recognition before he even goes to the cross. And then he's going to have to hang on that cross for six hours in public humility and shame, trying to breathe until he eventually takes his last breath. And, and he is put in the tomb after hanging there for six hours, struggling to breathe and in so much pain. Yet, Jesus knew that this was God's will because he knew the scriptures, he knew the prophecies, and he had already told his disciples on several occasions that he's going to suffer. And so he tells the Father, he says, nevertheless, you know, let this cup pass from me. If there be any other way, let's get this done some other way. And he doesn't hear anything from God because he knows this is the only way that our sins could be forgiven. It's for him to be the sacrifice on the cross and become sin hanging on the cross and being placed in that tomb for three days and coming out victorious, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so he tells the Father, he says, Nevertheless, your will be done and not mine. In other words, he was obedient to God's will. He allowed himself to be arrested and turned over to the authorities, and he was crucified. He told his disciples that, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. He told Pilate, he said, you have no authority over me. This is my father's will. If he didn't allow it, you wouldn't be able to do this. He literally laid down his life for you and for me. For all of these people who were out here doing their own thing, making their own decisions, shaking their fists in the face of God. And God saying, hey, I still love you. I gave my son to die for you so that your sins can be forgiven. I'm giving you the opportunity to enter into my rest. And the only way that we can enter into that rest is to stay, is to choose Jesus and to stay with Jesus even when the hard times come. And the author is giving them this example of Jesus to show that even in the midst of persecution, we can still be obedient. We can still learn lessons of obedience. And as hard as it is, the reward will be great when it's all over with. And we need to be reminded of that. That's why he tells them, at least in the last chapter, maybe chapter before that, to remind each other on the daily to stick with Jesus. And so the last thing he says is because Jesus was uh, because Jesus as a human was obedient to God the Father he says God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him 
and God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is the source of eternal salvation for all of those who obey him. It's all about Jesus and how Jesus is who we are to look to to find strength, to find encouragement, to find hope, to to renew our vigor, as the King James says, because he's been here, he's walked on this earth, he's done that, he's gotten the t-shirt, he's gone through suffering, he's ascended back to the Father, he's sitting at the Father's right hand. He was perfect. He never messed up one time. He was beaten, he was tortured, he was crucified, and yet he endured to the end. And even though he could have called Uh, legions of angels to rescue him he did not do it he allowed himself to go through that torture and he kept going and he never quit and in the end he came out of that tomb victorious on the third day over death and hell and now he sits at the place of honor at the father's right hand in the place of authority and so the author is telling his readers he's saying look at jesus don't let your faith fade away. Yes, you're going through these hard times. Yes, you've been through persecution. Yes, you've been beaten. Yes, uh, you've been in jail. Yes, you have lost your possessions. But don't let that lose, cause you to lose your confidence in God. Don't let that, uh, uh, don't let your eyes turn from Jesus because he knows what you're going through and he cares. And so he's going to finish all, uh, uh, chapter five by saying this. He says, there's much more I would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That sounds familiar. You have been believers for so long now that you are spiritually, uh, that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who, are, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. And this sounds just like what Paul told the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 1-3, when he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I, I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. And this is one of the passages that shows Paul's influence on whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. Could be Paul. We just don't know who the author is. But more than likely, it was somebody who traveled around with Paul. And perhaps they heard Paul say this at the church at Corinth. Or they at least read his letters as well. And, And so they have heard these words from Paul at some point. Um, but what I want to point out as we near the end of this podcast is how the author tells them that they're still still spiritual babies. Even after the persecution they've been through, even after the beatings, after uh, they have lost their possessions, they're still babes in Christ. And it makes me think of people who have been sitting in churches for a long time time for years and years and years and they don't even know how to tell people the plan of salvation they don't even know how to tell people to be saved they can't take their bible and and go to a friend who is going through 
fill in the blank with any situation and turn to a scripture that would encourage them in their situation. They can't even turn to a passage and show somebody how to be saved. And that is so sad. And, and, and what has happened is cell phones have come along and rescued us and we've got so reliant on our phones because it's right in our hands and, and instead of relying on God's word we're, we're relying on the internet and Google you know how do I be saved how do I what are the steps do I tell somebody to be saved what if somebody's going through this situation and we google it and Google has rescued us and, and so instead of studying the word of God for ourselves and knowing the scriptures and allowing God's Holy Spirit to speak to us through the scriptures we're allowing Google to speak to us and tell us what the Bible says and so that should not be so we need to be people of the word we need to study God's word and know what it says for ourselves and allow God's Holy Spirit to speak into our lives through the Word of God. And I'm going to end today by reading some of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a psalm uh, that is a Hebrew acrostic poem about the Word of God. There's 22 stanzas in Psalm 119, one for each successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Each of the eight verses within each stanza begins with a Hebrew letter named in its heading. And I just want to encourage you to, to go and read all of Psalm 119. Yes, it's long. I think it's 145 verses long or 143 verses long. It's very long, uh, but it just takes a few minutes to read. I'm not going to read the whole thing on the podcast because I don't want to take up too much of your time that you can read on your, uh, for yourself. But I want to read the first 11 verses, and you can see how Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. He says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for them with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm going to stop right there because that's one of the most famous verses that people know from Psalm 119. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your... That, that's exactly what the Hebrew people are doing. They, they are wandering from God. They are wandering from His commands. And, and the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you and that is the key is getting in god's word listening to god's word and allowing the holy spirit to speak to us through god's word and by the way there's 176 verses not 143 i was wrong on that so let me correct myself but i want to end the podcast by saying this when trouble comes and maybe you're in a storm right now Maybe life is hard. You're mad at God. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I just want to say this. As, as the Hebrew author says to his audience, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Run to him. Run to Jesus and not from him. He loves you. He cares for you. 
and he will help you endure because he has been here. He's walked on this earth. He has endured persecution. He has been beaten. He has been tortured. He was killed because he claimed to be God and serving God and being the Messiah. And even the people who should have been pointing at him and pointing the people to him hated him and would try to pick up stones and kill him and stone him to death. He was hated by the religious leaders and many people of his day. He's hated by people even in our day and time. And yet he still says, nothing will separate my love from you. You may choose to reject me, but I still love you. And for those of us who have accepted Jesus and have been walking with Jesus for quite some time, Yes, life is hard. Storms come. But don't get mad at God and let your confidence begin to fade and, and, and wane. Keep a tight grip on Jesus. And, and, and that's what the Hebrew author is reminding his audience. And that is what I am reminding you at the end of this podcast to keep your eyes on Jesus. And I want to end by telling you to check out the song, It Is Well, that is sung by Christine DeMarco and, 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 and Bethel Music. And I will post a link to that video. It is so encouraging because she's saying, no matter what I'm going through, Lord, it is well with me. It is well with my soul. It is it well with your soul today? Where are you at in your storm? Is the storm clouds coming? Can you see them coming uh, on the horizon? Can are you maybe you're in the middle of the storm? Hopefully, you're, those those storm clouds are about to pass, and you can see the end of the storm. But where are you with Jesus? Are you still walking with Jesus? Is your faith just as confident now in Jesus as it was when you first believed? And that's what he tells his readers, the Hebrew author, that they they must stay faithful to the end. They must keep grinding. And that is my encouragement to you. If there's anything I can do for you to help you, to answer any questions, to pray for you, to let you vent, let you talk about whatever situation you're dealing with in life, please contact me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I'll help you with anything that I possibly can. God bless you. Thank you for listening today and keep grinding. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.